Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Fern Zimbalist. Uh, she's the author of uh, The Medical Blue Book, How to Be Medically Proactive. So, Fern, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, these when people write books or uh, notes about medical issues, there's always a an important backstory. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, tell me sure. about your your journey that led you to writing such a book. Okay. Well, my background is actually in the tourism industry. I've held positions in marketing, sales, and business development with airline hotels and CBB in New York. I have a bachelor's degree in education and a certificate as a medical tourism facilitator. And that's really about, the course was about how people may be interested in traveling inbound or outbound for medical treatment and how to facilitate that service. So I've been a patient advocate for many years for colleagues, friends, and family. And most recently, I appeared as a guest speaker on QPTV, which is Queen's Public Television, on how to be a proactive patient and how to advocate for your health with a medical blue book that I created. It was an actual book. So what... What's in the medical blue book? What kind of uh, guidance does it give or information? So the blue book is actually a customized book. It's getting a blue three-ring binder comprised of reports, your personal medical reports. It's divided by categories like labs and timelines and discs and imaging reports and patient portal websites and referrals and research. My tagline when I created this book for colleagues, friends, and families were, I am informed, I am proactive, and I'm taking charge of my health by utilizing this medical blue book. So the medical blue book is comprised of a book with timelines and reports that people have. And uh, my goal and my vision eventually is to have this content on a video that will be seen in medical offices. Because presently there are videos like that, but they're more about medications and health issues and not how to be medically proactive and take charge. Well, what's, um, if you compare someone that doesn't have the blue book, you know, what do their records look like? Where are they? And oh they goodness. get uh, inferior medical care to people that have this. Yeah. So what people do now is when they go to medical appointments, you know, doctor's appointments are very limited in time. They want to be able to help you as best they can, but they're, they're seeing so many people. So sometimes people will come in with reports in a folder. It's really not organized. Or they'll say, I'm here for a second opinion. But if it's a second doctor's office that has a relationship in another hospital, they can't really access the records. They usually can through the patient portal if the doctor's associated with a particular hospital. But if they go for a second opinion, then it becomes more time to be able to go back and get the reports and speak to them about what their issues are. Okay, so this is assembling all your records and history in an easy format so that uh, it's readable by the doctor that you go to? Or Actually, any it's, not, you go to? it's not created by the doctor, it's created by the patient. So the patient has to take charge and ownership of their own health. And how did this whole story, how did this whole passion of mine come about? Um, many years ago, I was creating this book for friends and families. And I knew that the time was limited when they had the patient visits. 
and that they had to be very succinct with their questions. And if they had timelines of health issues, it was important to present that um, quickly and have all the information about their medications on one piece of paper. And God forbid they ever ended up in an ambulance or an ER and not have that information handy, not necessarily in a blue book, but somewhere on them to share. Um, time is in the essence, you know, especially when it's a medical issue. So I created this blue book for friends and family. And then one day I said, well, who's going to create that for me? And then my time came and I created this book. And in my book, um, of course, it's categorized for everybody's individual um, doctor's appointments and, and uh, things that they have to speak about. So I had MRI reports right. and I had timelines and I had lab reports and I had all this information. So when I would go into the doctor, I would simply present this, especially if it was for a second opinion. And it was very timely and efficient. If you don't walk in with all of that information, then maybe it's a second visit. And then maybe it's wasting time. And in the book, I've done a lot of research. So I I tell friends and family, you should research whatever the conditions are. Because if you go in not knowing anything, you're hit with all these different resources and things to do. And and that right then and there, if you would have had it organized in a book, it would have been easy to communicate with the doctor and not waste time. So what if friends and family or you that you've, you know, when you've used this and you walk in with it, what's the interaction with the doctor like versus not having it? Well, the interaction, I'll tell you a story about a friend of mine who had a prostate issue and went to see a doctor and we started the creation of the blue book. And the day that he went in there, he had some basic information about his particular situation with reports. And the doctor said, well, there's many ways that you can have this prostate surgery. Here's a book, read about it. Is a book, read about it, but you're the doctor. You're supposed to be saying which procedure you think is best. So we took that right. book and he came home and we looked at the book together and we looked at all the different procedures, all the different choices. And then obviously went for a second opinion. And the second opinion, he said, well, you know, I've read about it. Now he was prepared. Now he was informed. Now he had his blue book with all of his information about his reports and options that he could go to. So he felt a little bit more empowered with that knowledge. Well, feeling empowered is good, but uh, are you able to determine how much it helps someone? I mean, it, again, do the head of the doctors react if they see your blue book and they don't even see it? Very, very glad. It. Yeah, very glad because they knew that if you came in with discs and MRIs and lab reports and pertinent information, it saved them a lot of time. It saved them a lot of time, and most of the time, they're quite glad that a patient comes in organized and prepared because they don't have a lot of time to spend. So it's only been everything but positive. I had another mm. friend who was a friend of the family who was actually having heart surgery. She had created the blue book because so when you create the blue book and you have information about how to vet the doctors, uh, all your reports in one area, research about the topic. The day of the surgery, she was all ready to come with a blue book with all this information that she might need to access. And I guess in the excitement of it all, um, the stress of the day, they left it. And I remember meeting the family in the hospital, and they were sitting, waiting for the doctor to come out and tell them, oh, how are things progressing? And I said, did anyone from the social work department come and speak to you as yet? And they said, no. And I said, well, come on, you know, let's, let's go downstairs and see if we can go meet some of the social workers in the department. Because in advance of the discharge, way in advance, there is planning about home care and, of course, which insurance is, would be applicable for the home care. And so... Right then and there, even though I didn't have their blue book, I helped them to create and log the information, meet the social workers, take their cards, find out which information um, as far as insurance they were covered for and not way before 
the discharge planning. So it's kind of looking, you know, in advance of situations that might occur. And then when she had all the business cards and the contact information and the names during that time when it was very stressful for the family, we're happy to have that organized book. Is all the information um, unique or do you have templates in there? Like you said, had a vet a doctor or, you know, what is, what's the shared learning part of it that goes into every book? So the shared learning part would be the three sections. Um, it's a basic book that they could compile. A lot of people say, oh, I have to make the book myself. Well, you know, my vision, my goal is to be able to create the book individually and market it, to have the content about um, how to be proactive, how to take charge, how to be informed in a little booklet inside the blue book so that everyone could you know, benefit from the knowledge about things they have to do to be proactive and things they have to do to take charge with a book to get the second opinion, to know about telehealth and have referral sources, to know how to vet your doctors, all different ways that they can um, take advantage of this knowledge. Well, what's an example, you know, how to vet your doctor? Any recommendations you can share from that section or, you know, another section where that really surprises people? Yeah, so there are so many sources like Castle Connolly and ZocDoc and and different sources um, on the Internet now where if you're looking for a particular, let's say, endocrinology, you're looking for a doctor, you can go in each site and read about their background and their CV and what their specialty is and what other people have said about the doctors. Sometimes if you know something in advance that's either positive or negative, you would steer away from one to the other. I had taken a family member to see a doctor, and um, they had somewhat good ratings, but when we got there, we felt uh, there were some questions about tests and things, and we said, you know what, we'd like to maybe get a second opinion. So we took the different sites and looked at them and looked at the reviews, and then we were able to make another determination whether this doctor might have been a better one than the first one that we went to. Any um, red flags that you wanted to point out to people or, you know, helpful hints in there besides just look for reviews and form your own opinion? Well, uh, red flags would mean sanctions against them. There are actually sites. Uh, a colleague was going in for hand surgery with a um, top, top doctor. And I was looking online because they were, you know, in the midst of having to deal with the surgery. And I'm looking online to see, gee, has there ever been any sanctions against the doctor or, or anything that they should know about? And it takes time. It's not an instant, you know, go on the Internet and find them right away. There are sites available that people can go to and look and find them. And then when they do, um, forewarned, forearmed, they have information, and then they can make a credible decision. I think a lot of people... um, Narratives from patients, you know, and how, uh, what about a narrative from a patient on like a doctor's bedside manner? You know, those kinds of things, those maybe soft answers that aren't just uh, based on their degree. Well, sometimes, yes, it's about bedside manner, and sometimes it's about how quickly they're seen. Do they make follow-up phone calls? I mean, oftentimes if you're waiting for lab results and you have a nurse call you and not the doctor, you know, sometimes you feel you really want to speak to the doctor directly and not a PA or, or not a nurse. So uh, when you go to meet the doctor for the first time, these are some of the questions you can ask. Will you be returning the call directly? Or will you be calling me within 24 to 48 hours? If I can't get you, who could I follow up as a colleague in your practice? Okay, that makes sense. What have you found to be the most important you know, aspects of a doctor that determine whether they'll do a good job or not? Or I don't even know if you could say, but... Yeah, you know, it's really a personal experience. I mean, we've had doctors that we know for 20, 30 years, a long, long time, and, and it's because they've been great with follow-up and tests and 
and getting the time and attention. I mean, there's some doctors who, if you're lucky enough, will spend 35 minutes speaking to you and some who are, you just feel you're waiting two hours for an appointment, you're in for 15 minutes, and then you're out again. So yeah, no, certainly uh, word of mouth, um, people that have experience with other doctors that they've met and they feel comfortable with, and uh, hopefully, you know, being organized when you go in and you have all your questions in hand and you have your medication there and you can be succinct and timely and give them all the information that they need quickly. They usually appreciate that very much. Well, what else needs to be added to the book now that you've done X number of them? What's, you know, what's next for it to make it more complete or more yeah. useful? So the one thing about the book is it's not an app. It's not a website. It's never going to get hacked. So when a person creates this book for themselves or they want to have it created by someone, they have to take the ownership of getting the report. So if they go into the ER, you sign a release right then and there before you leave. Most people don't realize that. They have to sign a release, get the labs, or otherwise they'll be waiting a long time to get the reports. They have to take ownership of their getting the reports, getting their discs, getting the information, and organizing it in a book. That's, you know, the responsibility is up to that person. Most people you know, don't think about it until the time comes. So if you're organized, if you're proactive and you keep your list in your wallet or your bag or you don't want to carry around your blue book, obviously, but if you're organized and you have a list in a bag or an envelope or even some information on your phone about your meds and your, your health care information and your blood type and your health issues and your medications that you take and what you're allergic to, I had um, researched this, this little tag that you could put for people who have diabetes wear around their neck, the bracelets or the tags. And right. it took me a few days, but I found one company that could have on this little dog tag as much information as they could put on as far as medication taking and, and what their situation was. So God forbid, you know, they ever got sick. Uh, it was right there on their tag that they were about them. So just having relevant information, um, pharmacy information, um, if, you're, if you're ever in a situation with a, an ambulance or in the ER, that information, giving them timely, is really important. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Are there any, um, so I guess one piece of advice would be anytime you go to any doctor, emergency room, whatever it is, always make sure you sign a release and work on getting the information from that visit no matter where you go. Absolutely. Get that release. The first thing, most important thing, is when you walk in there, even though it's a very chaotic and very stressful situation to be in the ER, there is a patient bill of rights, and it's right there when you walk in to an ER Sometimes in the doctor's office, but mainly in the hospitals where you'll see the patient bill of rights. And the hospitals have little booklets that they give you when you go in. But who, who's going to take the time at that particular moment and the stress of everything to read it? So um, this is all from practical experience, um, having seen this. You know, you're entitled to uh, accurate answers in a timely manner. And if you are in that situation, you need to see a specialist and not a generalist, an internist, or you want to see a cardiologist or or another specialist for the reason why you're there, you're entitled to be heard. And if you can't get anyone to assist you, there is a patient liaison in the hospital. They are wonderful. They are, they are the middle person to the hospital, you, the patient, and the doctor. So patient liaisons are navigators, usually from the social work department, you can call while you're in there if you need assistance. If you don't have an advocate with you at that time when you're checking in, be very stressful. Yeah. Um, any part of assembling this information that's problematic, that's been hard to get, or that is a is a complete roadblock? Uh, 
Sometimes, you know, if you go to a medical office and say, I need, let's say you have an imaging test, I need an MRI or CAT scan. Um, most of the time, people will walk out and forget to take the disc with them. And they might have to call to get it. They might say, oh, you have to pay $20 additionally for that disc. It happens in a particular city hospital when I went with a family member and I said, you know, we've never had to pay that fee before. Why are you assessing that now? So if you don't know, there's some things people don't know that they don't know to ask. Um, it's really from experience. So maybe the roadblock is when you go in there, the ownership, again, just like the Blue Book, is really on you to say, I need a copy of my report. I need the disc because I then need to either keep it in my Blue Book or bring it with me to my next appointment, which might be a second opinion if you chose to do so. Do you feel like this has saved anyone's life, Blue Book? Well, my friend that had the prostate um, surgery, absolutely it did because with the Blue Book, I mean, he had all the information there and it was a, a kind of very um, important, timely situation that he had to get to see somebody very quickly for a second opinion, very quickly. He didn't know it then. And so by having that information and having the Gleason scores and having all that information about the prostate information was really, really important. And the doctor that he ended up going to, who was an expert in robotics, was very, very glad that he had this here and timely in the reports and the disc and everything so that they don't have to repeat the test again. Who wants to get you know, several MRIs if you really don't need to or CAT scans? Right. That's true. Yeah, definitely. And now, for the future, his timeline every year, like everybody else who has a blue book and they keep the timeline, he can look back on the reports and he has them there. So if it was 10 years ago, he, you know, you went to a doctor's office who no longer is there and they don't know where the records are. You have the records. You have them organized in your book. So you can go back in time if it's a particular health concern or a medical um, problem that they have to look back on. You could say, you know, 10 years ago, this is this is what I had. This is what happened. Here we are now, 10 years later. Here are the new reports. So somebody new could very easily take this right out of the book and look at it. Yeah, that, that, this is all happened with my wife. She actually has, like I guess, an informal book of material that she used for a while. And she would assemble all that stuff and just hand it to the doctor. And she had a doctor's office or two that closed down, you know, from five, 10 years ago. And it was hard for her to find the information, you know, one doctor moves, et cetera. So I can see why it's a good idea to do it as you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've made my own timelines over the years that were very important. Doctor told me one day, make a timeline because you'll need it one day. And they were right. And, and as the years go by, you can take out that timeline when you need it um, for your specialist and, and be able to have an informed discussion with the doctor. Most of the doctors, you know, that I've met, they're very open to people who are proactive and want to take charge of their health and they, they you know, want to supply information as opposed to saying, oh, okay, well, whatever you say, and, ha and feel like they have no input about it. So it's all about having somebody be empowered about their health and way before the time that you need it. I went to a health fair and I presented information on uh, the Blue Book and there was a young woman and it happened to be in a real estate company. And they were having a health fair for the employees there. And she was a young woman. She came by and said, oh, I don't need this. I'm healthy. I'm fine. And then I just looked at her. And a few minutes later, she circled back and said, well, you know, I do have a, an asthma problem. And I guess I've never really thought about taking notes about it now or having information now for the future. So, you know, it got her to think maybe it's a good idea to keep this information as a timeline and have it as a baseline. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So what's the process of making this book? You know, what if you're, you know, 50 years old and you've got 20 years of medical history? You know, it seems like um, it's difficult to go get it all and put it all into the book. You know, do you just say, don't worry about the old stuff and just start fresh? Or what, what's your recommendation for people? Well, it depends on what your, what your medical health issue. Um, but certainly if you're 50 and you had a little bit of this issue, whatever it was, medical health, 20 years ago, like you say, if the doctor's office is not there... Well, they store the record someplace, and you can maybe go back to the insurance company because I'm sure they can also go back to the hospital to get the records. But if none of that exists, you start from today and move forward, whatever your it's issue anecdotal is. anecdotal info, right? Yeah, well, that's the whole point. You know, if you have the, the story and you have the information, then it, it helps It helps in your health. It helps in your, your course of direction that you're going to take. Who's So who's the typical person that's willing to do this and who just, you know, brushes you off? I would think the older a person is and the more health problems they have, the more likely they probably want to do this. Well, today, the way technology is going with um, medical wearables and uh, patient portals, and telemedicine, I think telemedicine is fantastic. Telemedicine is where you, uh, like, you teledoc, you pay a fee for the year. I have all my friends and family on that program. It's wonderful. Each one of them registered. They pay a fee. If they need to speak to a doctor, within 15 minutes, they get a call back, either a video conference or a phone. It's such a fantastic. There's, there's so much opportunity now, I think, for expansion of assistance with patients. There's patient assistance programs from drug companies for people that are maybe indigent or can't afford a particular medication or or um, medical wearable. I was just researching something um, that's new called Free Libra. It's a diabetes uh, monitor that you put on your arm instead of sticking your finger all the time. This is just such yeah, a great a idea, but not all the insurance companies cover the cost for that. So I called the company to find out, well, what could you do if people can't afford that? Or where can people go to get information? So they were really helpful. There's a lot of patient assistant programs out there. What about building libraries of information that you found that's helpful for certain conditions that you run into a lot? You know, like where, you, where do you want to take this uh, Blue Book process? So with the Blue Book process, what I'd like to do is I would like to keep educating, informing, and sharing the information. I would like to be able to have this information of the Blue Book on a video content. Right now, um, I don't know in your town, but in some doctor's offices here in New York, when you go in, they have a video looping through in the patient room and in the waiting room. And got diabetes? Have brown bread. Take this medication. But there is nothing on that loop about how to be medically proactive or maybe resources or sites to go to. It's mainly, I think... uh, with mention of associations, maybe the Diabetes Association or American Heart Association, where there's information, there's plenty of sites out there for the consumer, for the patient to get information on their particular issues. Well, I mean, would it, would it help to guide people, or do you worry about getting into, uh, you know, advising medical treatment and acting as a doctor if you take it too far? Or do you feel like it's enough to say just, you know, hey, go to these associations and go research yourself? Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. Right. I'm 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 an informed, proactive patient, and through being that and, and having that experience, I've had the ability to be a kind of an advocate for the people that I speak to. And it's just, I think it's basic information, but then uh, when I speak to a lot of people, it's not because they haven't lived it and they haven't had the experience of what it's like to be in an ER in an emergency or 
you know, if you're in a hospital for a stay before you leave, what you need to do before you leave, or even if you're not feeling well and, and you can't make it out to the doctor, uh, that there are concierge doctor services, medical services, and there's telehealth. So I, I envision that the content would be on this video looping in offices and also a site where um, people could go and access the, you know, learn how to create the medical blue book or say a lot of people when they do the Queen's um, public television presentation at the very end, um, the, the cameraman that was filming, I said, well, are you going to make your medical blue book? And he looked at me and said, I don't have the time to do that. So it might mean, you know, creating it for people that are too busy. How long have you seen it, it takes on average to, you know, get a blue book together, at least like a, you know, an okay one, if not a really complete one? Well, it depends. If it's being created for an individual and they have particular categories, you know, those are just things that you can maybe take a day or two to create. But it's actually getting the content of the report and their personal medical history, and that's up to the individual to do. Uh, mm. That's important to have that, you know, on their own. Like you mentioned the story about your wife trying to go back in time to the doctor's office who was closed. Well, now she's in a situation where she said, well, how can I go and get that information? How can I access that now? They're closed. Where, where do I go? Right. Where, do I, where do I start with? Well, have you thought about providing a service where, you know, I know you couldn't, let's say, personally review my medical records, but, you know, if I don't want to make all these calls and it's a pain in my ass to do that, and, you know, can I hire someone like you that will call and go and fetch and at least have this stuff sent to me? and do all that part of it, like a concierge way of making my blue book. You know, if I pay it's, extra for it, would you do that? It's, it's a great thought. Uh, I put so much time and passion and concern into it. So as, you know, if I, if I had a team of people, boy, that would be great. I just had a story about a colleague um, who had a fracture of her hand, and she, you know, in her hometown, she felt she needed a second opinion quickly in New York. So I had the forethought, because I know how this works, to call the hospital and say, send me the release form for this colleague to sign, because she's going for a second opinion. And that happened very, very quickly. Now, she wouldn't have known to do this, to get the release form, yeah. have it signed, get a copy of the ER report, and bring it. You know, these are, for me, it's like second nature, but when I tell people the stories, they, they ask the same thing. Would you ever consider doing that? They encourage me all the time to start a business like that. But I'm one person, and working with uh, you know individuals, it, it takes a lot of a lot of time to do that. So right now, I'm just trying to get the thought out. I'm also seeking Richard like-minded people that can actually help me market, refine the video content and the medical blue book that's seen in doctor's office, and maybe have it underwritten by a nonprofit or a medical technology or wellness company, something right. like that. That's, that's well, I can tell you, um, I can tell you. Getting records, I mean, it's just my experience. It's not just yeah. a, um, it's not just a mechanical thing that's a pain in the ass. It's also emotional. Like, you know, just personally, I don't want to see some of the stuff that, I don't want to see some of my records. I just don't want to see them. It's like not wanting to step on the scale. If I could get them and not have to see them, that would actually sadly probably make me feel better. But I don't want to read them. You know, like, for instance, I had a thyroid cancer. I don't want to sit there and get the report and read what happened. I'd like to hopefully, it's important to have it. So, uh, and also, too, when you go to a doctor, there's like this intimidation factor, you know, like you say to them, hey, I want all my information, uh, give me the release forms and all that. They may go, oh, well, don't you trust us? Or the person may feel that, you know, I don't want to bother the doctor and I feel like a jerk because I'm asking for this stuff in the emergency room. Like, 
I would guess there's that too, which probably holds a lot of people back from doing this. Actually, no. The the person that you would speak oh, to to get your medical records <laughs> may not be the doctor, might be the office manager or the front desk. And if the doctor, you know, bristles at that idea that you want your medical records, thinking, what, don't you trust me or you want a second opinion? Well, you are captain of your own ship. You're captain of your body. Yeah. So if that were the case and it was about his feelings and his emotions versus what's best for you, you know. It's true, but, you know, people are influenced by what they perceive to be, uh, you know, real or not real. So, I mean, whether it's like, of course, if the doctor bristles at that, you know, they may never even say anything, but it just may be in the patient's mind. You know, it's just, again, in my experience, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but uh, if I feel it, my guess is that some other people may feel it too. So it's just it something might, to be aware it, of, I think. Yeah, it might, it might be that way, but, you know, it's always that it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's a way that you can ask in a way that made me not make them feel. Because what I would do at the beginning, especially when I started this years ago for my family is, is tell them, I keep a medical blue book with all the information of timelines and reports and information so for the future. So would it be okay if you give me a copy of that or how can I obtain a copy? And most of the time, you know, I've never encountered any kind of question about it, even in the ER. Mm. If I'm with a family member, I already know the routine. I know how to how that whole program works in the ER and how to, to escalate if you need assistance and who you need to speak to. And right before uh, the person is transferred up to the room in a hospital, right before yeah. you're leaving the ER, there you can say to the doctor who's attending, may I please have a release form to sign mm. because before I leave, I might forget. I might forget. And I want to make sure when I follow up with my doctor outside of the hospital, then I'll have the report in front of me. And most of the times they're like, no problem. There's a report and it's just being efficient. But if you don't know to ask for it, you know, the time goes by and then you find yourself backtracking to get that information. And right. you know what? You bring up okay. a point, a sensitive point about I may not want to read my records. Well, I had a story about that, about about the reading the records and how I saved okay. my my own life. I mean, I had um, several excisional biopsies and I went to a medical library in the city in a school one night. It was a cold winter's day in October. And I took out all the information I could about this particular situation. And I read about it and I read about it. And they said, are you a doctor? No. Are you a nurse? No. I, I want to be an informed patient. That's who I am. I took all this information to my doctor. And I showed her this information because it was something rare and unusual. And thank God it was a benign situation. But nonetheless, showed it to the doctor and said, look, what it says about this particular situation that if, if uh, maybe a second visit to see this information in surgery would reveal that there's other cysts working. Well, the story right. goes that we did go back for a second surgery. I did go back. And this was a very well-renowned doctor, uh, very, very bright, but something rare and unusual. So they can't, you know, they can't remember everything or know everything. But I did go back and there were what they call satellite cysts. And so if I hadn't gone back at that time, and who knows, was it divine intervention? Was it being knowledgeable? Was it being empowered to, you know, want to know what it is? It saved my life. Hmm. So I went okay. back and so, I had yeah. that second surgery, and that was about three weeks after. That was many, many, many years ago. And that's my timeline story. That's why I keep my timeline. So the information is out yeah, there. No, I'm, glad you, I'm glad yeah. you shared it. That helps, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, um, just a couple more questions. So what about... Um, 
sharing within families. You know, like when you go to the doctor, they'll say, uh, oh, do you have a family history of diabetes or heart issues? Or, you know, I could see like it would be important for a whole family to do this and for the family to, you know, if they agreed, but to share it with everyone else in the family because, you know, like my kids should know, for instance, what happened with me and my wife because when they get older, you know, God forbid something happens, they'll have all the information, that history right there instead of having to say, you know, dad told me about something like that, or I don't remember him mentioning something, or my mom mentioned something, you know, like, I would think blue books for families would be important and useful too. That is an excellent point, an excellent point, because one of the questions when you go into the doctor's office and you fill out that form, and sometimes it's a lengthy five-page form, or sometimes it's just the information that you plug into a a little tablet, Um, they ask about family history. Absolutely. And why is that relevant and important? Because if they know it's in the family, they know that that's something that they have to look into or maybe test for. So yes, family history is really, really important and keeping that in a place um, where they can access is important. There are apps out there today. There are apps that they can plug in all that information and and keep it, but um, having an actual book that's not going to uh, be compromised and have the history because it is, you know, HIPAA compliant. You have to keep your information, um, as you say, you know, some people want to have it shared and some people don't want to know their personal history, have it shared with anybody else. You have it in a book or you have it and you give permission to your family member uh, to utilize it. That'd be fine. Mm. fine. It's a good suggestion. It's a good idea. Yeah. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to get their blue book going? Email, phone, website? Web, uh, I don't have uh, a website as yet. This is something all in the quite making, but I'm happy to take an email from them at Zimbalist, Z-I-M-B-A-L-I-S-T-89 at gmail.com. I'm happy okay. to entertain any questions and also want to say thank you very much for the opportunity uh, today to get this information out there. And uh, I am looking for people who are like-minded who might want to join along and work on this uh, ongoing project with me. That's great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, Richard. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.